The Square Peg Podcast. Mold breakers, trailblazers, and takers of roads less traveled. Not all of us look the way the world expects us to look, think as the world expects us to think, or arrive at our destination the way the world expects us to. On the Square Peg Podcast, we give a voice to mold breakers, trailblazers, and takers of roads less traveled. I'm your host, Andrew Lawrence, and here are their stories. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome you to our uh, bonus episode. You know, we just aired our last episode of season five about six weeks ago, and um, got to take him what I can get him. I was trying to get uh, my guest in here last year, and it didn't work out, but um, let's give a warm uh, square podcast welcome to the one and only Real Salt Lake defenseman before last week, Aaron Herrera. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a Struggle to get here, but we're here. Everybody's dealing with traveling struggles right now. You know, just my luck. I wrote this episode, wrote up all the the interview questions, and did all my research and everything. I want to say Monday or Tuesday, and damn it, if the next day I don't open up my Instagram and see your story, and you've been traded to uh, CF Montreal. Yeah, that's something that um, I, we can work with that, but um, and and we can get to that. But how did that? T- you know, I've had professional athletes in here before, but they've all been fighters. I haven't had a team a team sports athlete. So is that something that you had an idea was coming or Yeah, no. Um yeah, I haven't really spoke on it before uh prior to this, so um yeah, no, it was something pretty much com- caught me completely off guard. I was just finished up a hike with my dog driving home, get a call from the general manager. Knew something was up. Um Figured I'd been traded somewhere. So you get the call from your general manager, not your agent? No, general manager. I found out before my agent. Um, General manager calls me and just says, yeah, man, we've we've agreed to a a trade with Montreal. Thank you for everything. And I was just a little bit blown away at first, um, for sure. Yeah, I can imagine. Now, let's let's take it back a notch here. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest is Aaron Herrera. He is, uh, up until last week, was a right back for uh, Real Salt Lake of uh, the United States. Major League Soccer, and um, has been in their program for quite a bit, and we'll get into that. And again, he, I was that's so interesting because you just signed, uh, renewed your contract in June, yeah, for four years, yeah. And this is the first time you've, I mean, RSL is the only, only club you've played for, and obviously the first time you've been traded. So that's is that. Do you think that's not common to to hear it first from the general manager, not your agent? Um, I'm not really sure. Um, First time, I, I. I would have expected my agent to know before me, but um, he called me shortly after because obviously my general manager called me, then called my agent, and then we spoke after. And yeah, that just seems like a really odd way of doing things. I mean, yeah. it obviously, I mean, you weren't looking. It's not like you talked to your 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 agent was like, "Hey, can we can we get me somewhere else?" Yeah, no, I was I was definitely happy in Salt Lake. I loved playing there. Um, I think it's just a move that they thought made sense for them at the time and. You know, I think for me, like I said, caught me caught me definitely definitely off guard. But I mean, once it all it all settled in and everything, I was just just more excited for for something new and for a change. And I think it's a good time because I think sometimes when you when you stay in one place too too long, you can sort of get comfortable in that place. So I think now five you haven't been there five years. Um, not saying that I was comfortable. I always tried to tried to keep improving and then not get comfortable there so but 
yeah, just caught me off guard, but I'm ready for ready for something new for sure. Well, and you know, you guys will get into this. You guys were kind of a I don't know if the term late entry, but you didn't know you were going to make the playoffs this year until until the very end. And uh, just looking at last year's table, uh, looks like CF Montreal finished second in the Eastern Division. So uh, I don't want to put you on the spot too much, but I think. Uh, a team that finishes second in its division doesn't trade for a starting a starting player um, without, I think, assuming that he's you're, you're going to come in, you're going to play for him. Yeah, that's the plan um, for sure. But yeah, that's the thing with Montreal; they were a very good team last year. But a lot of times, when you have a, a really good, successful team, you trade a lot of your a lot of your best players away. Unfortunately, that's how that's how it is a lot of the time because you can trade them away and make good profit on them, and then. Um, keep the club running in that way so yeah montreal that's exactly what happened they traded a, a lot of their their core group from last year to to other countries and whatnot and so now is there is there a salary cap in mls yeah. like okay so i can i can imagine if some of these guys were up or yeah being close to being up they're probably gonna be renegotiating but let's let's go back i have a habit of kind of doing things chronologically but uh, i've been trying to get away from that uh now we've established the fact that you're a professional soccer player you were an rsl for for five years uh, and now you're boy. How do you deal with the cold? Not well. And they have an outdoor stadium too. Yeah. I don't even, man. I don't envy you. I because uh, I mean, Salt Lake can get cold. Salt Lake is cold, but from what I've heard, Montreal's a, a different animal in that sense. So you're gonna, you're not going to appreciate the first couple weeks of the season and the last couple weeks. No, but it's going to be. But looking at our schedule, our first like five out of six are away. I think they do that on purpose because of the weather. So. That, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. So you've been playing. I mean, what are you? Twenty five, twenty six years old 25. now. And you've been playing soccer since probably you can walk. I mean, yeah, for sure. Dad played uh, some pro soccer. I know mom. Dad was... played. I think the furthest he got was semi pro. Um, the goal was obviously to go pro, but he ended up tearing his ACL. Um, and then he ended up having my ended up having a couple kids. So he just obviously had to call it quiz, get a get a real job, so to say, and uh, start supporting the fam. So and yeah, mom played as well. Yeah, and um, and, then she, and I think both of them have played some adult, but um, you definitely have the, the athletics in your family. I know you have a um, a sister who just graduated high school, was uh, somewhat of an athlete. And I know I've, I've been on the mat with another one of your with one of your brothers, who uh, you, you guys definitely have. One of the jokes I give you know because I work with your dad, yeah. and uh, of course mom works in another another agency, but we know each other and uh, we're friends. And and uh, every once in a while. Tell tell dad, you know, he must they must have gotten their athletic ability from mom, and then vice versa. And of course, you know, give them a hard time. But um, when was the first? How old were you on your like first team team? First soccer team was yeah. probably five years old. If yeah, I guess. Yeah, there was no no choice though, right? I mean, it was no, it was just soccer. soccer Any other sports soccer. ever? I played. I mean, obviously, n- never like not in teams. Obviously, outside, like with my friends, we'd always be playing basketball, football, everything else. Um, but no, uh, competitively, I never played any other sports. I played basketball for like a month or two one time and just wasn't very good and didn't want to do it anymore. When but, did you realize that you had something that other kids didn't have, though? I mean, it was probably a pretty young age, I think. From around age 10, I think when we started playing, when my dad was our coach and we actually started playing like competitive soccer and traveling to other States and stuff. Um, so I think when I was 10 years old, I was always playing up a year or two at least. And so when I was 10, I was playing with guys that were 12, 13, 14. So I think pretty early on, I knew that I was fairly good at soccer and that, I mean, there's definitely an opportunity to do something with it. 
you know, back, uh, I want to say, what, about 10 years ago when you uh, ended up at the RSL Academy, I, so I didn't, I played a lot of sports growing up, the, the typical American sports, if you will, football, baseball, basketball, wrestling, uh, never played soccer, but I decided, I guess I'd, I can always appreciate, I've always been able to appreciate good competition, high-level athleticism, and I'd, I'd seen some, you know, from Washington, D.C., I naturally would be a D.C. United fan, and I think we went, oh, that Freddie Adu, do you remember him? Yeah. 14-year-old that played, saw him, he got like in the 87th minute, we went, when they were still playing at RFK, yeah. they weren't at Audi Stadium yet. But about 15 years ago, a little bit after that, I decided, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick a, I'm going to start watching the, the Premier League. Uh, I'm going to pick a team, and I'm, I'm going to get into it. I'm going to start watching. And, of course, you know, like a typical, like somebody over there who decides they're going to start watching American football, they're, they're going to pick the Dallas Cowboys or the Niners or somebody like that. I decided I'm going to be a Manchester United fan. And um, I don't think I knew at the time, though, that they had these academies and that you get involved in their youth program. I remember your dad telling me when, when you got chosen, when you are about 15 or 16. Yeah to go to the Real Salt Lake Academy, um, how did you get noticed? I mean, I would imagine some sort of regional tournaments or some of the some of the things you're involved in. Yeah, uh, luckily, I actually had a connection. Um, so Freddie Juarez, he's, uh, he coaches at Seattle Sounders now, but he was one of the first coaches ever at RSL Academy, and he was sort of, sort of one of the founders and uh, the guy that sort of, I mean, RSL Academy owes a ton of their success to him. He was actually from Crucis, so... He had known of me, and he knew my dad and all that, obviously, um, before he had gone to the academy. So I think just once my dad found out about this whole academy system that was starting up, he – I don't know if he contacted Freddie directly or Freddie, like, hit us up to come for a tryout or whatever. But somehow, some way, I got out there because of Freddie. He was able to get me to try out out there and went and played pretty well. Um, that's the funny thing about when I first got out there, though, is I wasn't even on the academy team. Right. I was on the, the B team, the... which is pretty much the B team. Right. And, yeah, so pretty much you're on the B team. The couple best guys from that B team or the next year able to get called up to the to the academy. And that's what I was able to do. Now, do all the MLS clubs have a, a program like this? No. It was very RSL Academy specific. I think there were just so many players that wanted to go to, to that academy, and they just – they obviously couldn't allow for, for everyone to be on the academy team because I think you only had 20-something spots on the actual academy team. So I think with there being such good club soccer in Arizona, I think there's a lot of good tournaments and all that in Arizona, California. It was sort of an an easy thing for them to do and sort of just create a club team, which was the elite team, the B team, and just traveled all these all these other states. And So the other MLS clubs don't have these these no, programs? Oh, no. wow. There's not any other, any other MLS club that I know about that has a – had the, the elite team that the RSL Academy did. So that's interesting. Now, was that a was that a were you nervous about that? Because you're what, 15, 16 years old? I just turned fifteen when I moved out there. You're moved you moved to Phoenix? Yeah, Casa Grande. So okay. right in between Phoenix and Tucson. And you're so you're going to school obviously it's like a private yeah. a private No, just public high school. No wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so I didn't they actually changed it later. Once we left, they moved it to the to the private high school. Okay. And then obviously now the the academy is in Utah. So pretty much the academy players train hand in hand with us at the same place, same facilities, and their high school is literally connected to our facilities. But when I was at the academy, we had to we we had to get on the bus at seven a.m., drive the whatever it was probably take like forty five minutes to get to school. We'd have a couple stops on the way, and yeah, man, just regular public high school. That's amazing. And so I, I never would have imagined that. Was that a weird? Did you, I'm sure you knew some of the guys that played on the high school soccer team. Yeah. 
For sure. Was um, that a weird? Was that a weird? It was weird. Because um, you guys are you guys are special. You guys are better. And yes, yeah. um, I don't think not too many guys from the RSL Academy were ever arrogant about that sort of thing especially with the high school soccer players like because i think a lot of guys at the academy played high school soccer before they got there so um yeah there there was never like beef with the soccer team or anything right um, now but, you go out there and obviously you're you're they have you live in like a dorm type situation or they rent yeah. a house or yeah so the the academy was actually at a resort oh wow so it's like it's like a pretty nice resort there's a golf course there's a i think there's eight soccer fields Obviously, our whole facility and everything, and then yeah, our dorms were like a little sort of side thing to the hotel. And what I would imagine, of course, obviously your meals and your, your and your all your gear and everything is is provided. Is there like a stipend? Because I know the NCAA athletes, if you're on scholarship, you get. I mean, we're talking pre you know name, image, likeness deals, but you get some sort of stipend every month. Is that how kind of you spending money, or did your parents? No, have to... yeah, parents parents were definitely in charge of any any spending money. But a lot of guys were at the academy on scholarships, and a lot weren't. So. It could get pretty pricey for. I mean, most I'd say majority of the guys that were on the elite team were paying full price, which, as you can imagine, pretty expensive to be to be living at a at a nice resort like that. I imagine so. Now, did you were there certain requirements as far as you keeping your grades up? Um, uh, not really sure. I think there definitely was for sure. Um, but I don't think that was ever an issue. There was always mandatory study hall hours pretty much every day after practice, if not every day, like three times a week and. But I never, for as long as I was there, I never really heard of anyone not playing because of grades. So yeah. Well, that. you, um, as you were saying, this this could be a little bit deceiving, but there's the elite team that you start out on, which is kind of the B squad. Yeah. But one thing that, you know, you're pretty well known for and everything I've ever read on you is your work ethic. And you, you actually made the team. How many years were you in the academy? I was there for three years. And so how many, how long did it take you to actually get to the A squad, if it will? If you will. One year. I think so at the very end of my first year, I think I managed to sub in a couple games for the academy. And but I still wasn't really like a part of the team. Like I didn't go to the playoffs with them that year. I didn't go to nationals and all that. Ended up they ended up winning the national championship that year. Really? So it was a bit of a bummer to not fully be a part of the team. I was sort of a right, part of it. Right. But uh, to me it didn't really feel like I was truly a part of the team. But yeah, so I'd say about a year. And then so you make you make the the A squad. You play for 2 years and then um What's the? Do you play a whole season? Is it? I mean, obviously you're doing something year round, but yeah. How did, how does that go? Yeah, it was the academy season was a full season. It was pretty much it was very similar to the MLS season, um, like February through October. Yeah, pretty much. You're you're there. Um, obviously, you, so we got summer break where we're not we don't have to go to school anymore for whatever it is a month month and a half, and you're still just there at the academy playing games. Except now you have an extra eight hours on your hands every day because you're not going to school. So you're just, I don't know if you've ever seen this Academy, but it's a completely secluded just resort. So there's nothing near it. Like the closest thing is the city, which is five miles that way, five miles the other way. Um, but yeah, nothing near it. So you're pretty much just stuck there at the Academy and all we got is soccer. So you're just training all the time. We're just training all the time when we're not training where you're, you're either in study hall. And then, I mean, like I said, in the summer, obviously, you can go to the pool. We'd play soccer tennis for hours on end just in our facility. Now, going there, was that were you were you hesitant at all? Were you, is it just, hey, this is an opportunity I'm going to do it? Were you hesitant to leave home at 15? or Definitely wasn't hesitant at all, but I definitely didn't think it would be as hard as it was moving away from home. Right. Um, who do you, I mean, who do you go to for, for guys? Just coaches. 
yeah, you just got your coaches there. Like I said, Freddie, who I had known forever because he's from Cruces. I had I'd known him very well. So, yeah, you got all your coaches there. We actually had, like, counselors there. We'd have tutors that were there all the time. So whoever you really wanted to talk to, but there were definitely people there to help you. But. I mean, some, you know, some your girlfriend breaks up with you from long distance, and yet you, you got somebody to talk to. You know, your parents aren't there. but Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, there's a lot of adults on campus who you could talk to, but I think it was really just – your boys there the, and you grow you do a lot of growing up i bet yeah 100 percent. i think so you're just living there with these i don't know 50 60 other players and it's just a bunch of teenagers just living in these dorms away from home so now on the one hand you guys are teammates and you guys have a, a schedule to play and you, you guys want to help each other out but you guys are all trying to get to the the next level too yeah. um was there an element of competition there yeah 100 percent. i think every week was I mean, granted, you're only 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. You're you're fighting for spots every week. It was an extremely competitive academy. I mean, for my three years that we were there, we were the best academy in the country all three years pretty much. So we went to the national championship three years in a row. So as you can imagine, the competition is, was definitely tense. There's a ton of incredible players there. I think from from my team that that graduated from there, I think – out of the 25 players or so that were on our roster week in and week out, I'd say probably 20 went professional. Now, you didn't take a straight path, though, to the MLS. You left yeah. and I, went to UNM. Yeah, I went to University talk, of New Mexico. For- talk about that. Why did you leave the program? Why did I leave UNM early? No, why did you leave RSL Academy? Well, so I graduated college? high school. Okay. Um, but you're asking, why didn't I go straight professional pretty much? Well, yeah, well, so I, yeah, so I don't, you know, I don't know a, a ton about soccer yeah. in that regard. You know, football, you have to play two years of college football. Yeah. Basketball is a little bit different. You can go straight from high school to the NBA, and baseball. There's the you go college, you go to the minor leagues. Yeah. What, what would the path be if you didn't want to go to college? What would your path yeah. be to professional soccer? No, I think that's the, yeah, I think that's what's the special thing about soccer in this country is, with them trying to treat it like how it is every in every other country, you can go professional. At whatever age you want, like this past year at RSL, we had a 15 year old on the team. I heard, so, I saw about, I saw that. So yeah, I mean, imagine signing a professional contract at 15 years old, and you're already making pretty good money. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, it's pretty crazy. But yeah, so from the academy, there's obviously a couple options. You can, you can sign straight out of academy. You can sign, you can sign before you even graduated from the academy. You can go to college, and so it's pretty much just guys that obviously aren't ready to go professional yet. You take the college route and try to try to develop more there as a player and a person. And I think for me, it, it worked out incredibly well. So you I played think, what, two or three years at UNM? I played three fall seasons. So I was there for two and a half years. Total. When you say fall season, is that soccer season? Yeah. So in co- college soccer is, that's one of the things around the country that they're talking about uh, switching up because the college season is so weird. Um, but they obviously do it so people can more focus on school. But the fall season is literally like three, four months long. And that's the only actual, like, competitive season in college soccer because then the whole spring season is just – you play, like, a couple of exhibition games, but it's really just training, fitness, and just focusing on school, really. So um, – but there's been talks for a long time about them extending the, the college season to a year-round type of thing like everything else. Now, where does UNM fit, I mean, in, in, the, in the world of college soccer? What I know they play in the Mountain West. No, at so, the time – At the time – So, yeah, in? UNM is Mountain West, but – it is a little complicated. Uh, our UNM team actually played in Conference USA, okay, which was like which is an East Coast conference, right? And so obviously travel and stuff was was pretty brutal having to travel all the way across the country for all of our away games. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, what are, where what are the big programs or the big conferences in college soccer? Big call, uh, big conferences would be Pac-12. You got the ACC. You got the ACC. Pac-12, ACC. I'd say are probably the two best, and then you got Conference USA is probably close behind there. Um, other conferences on this side of the country, you got the WAC. Okay, I remember when I was when I was growing up, there was a kid a year or two older than me. I believe his name was his name was Nate Friends. And he went to McLean High School, which was in our district. He ended up playing at, at uh, University, of Gen- University of Virginia, won three national championships in a row. And their coach actually was the, the U.S. coach, uh, Bruce Arenas, yep. at the time. Now, did you have – when did you get involved with the U.S. national team? Because you've been on it certain – it's always – you, you were most recently on, recently on the U23s. Yeah. Before that, when did you first get involved in, in uh, I was U.S. national team? I was with the U20s and the U18s. Okay. Bit. So that was – yeah, probably around seventeen years old. And you get a lot. Of, you get some international exposure. Yes, you play. A, you play a ton of international teams. I think. Um, yeah, just a ton of international trips where you're flying to Germany, you're flying to England, you're flying to Japan. I went to a U twenty World Cup, which was in South Korea. I remember that. Yeah, and we we were able to make it to the quarterfinals before I think we lost in, I think we lost in overtime to to Venezuela, who ended up going to the final and losing to England. So how, how coincidental is it? I'm sure it's not at all. You ended up, you played three years. You caught, you caught the eye of, of somebody back at RSL. How did that all come about? They just approach you and say, Hey, we'd like to. Yeah. So that's another thing. It's um, so since I played at RSL Academy, they had my rights. I was, that was what I was going to ask yep. next. So you didn't have to get, go through a draft or anything. No, I didn't have to go through a draft or anything. Um, that's an option. So say RSL didn't want me. I would have been able to go you could to declare. the draft out okay. of college, um, I think. Or they would be able to sell my rights to another team. Um, there's all kinds of crazy stuff like that with uh, with academy players. But, yeah, pretty much whatever academy you go to, that professional team would have first first go at you pretty much. No hesitation at all when they approach you. Oh, no, I want to finish college. I want to graduate. Yeah. I want to do oh, this. Oh, no. My, I mean – my plan once I left the academy, if I'm being honest, was to go to college for one year, try to develop a little more, um, just grow up a little bit, and then sign for RSL the next year. But come that next year, RSL still didn't think I was ready. Obviously, I'm like, I'm ready to go. I'm like, like get me out there. RSL wasn't ready, so I was like, all right, I'll go to college one more year. Go that year. Still, They still don't think I'm ready. At that point, and you're I'm on scholarship at UNM, right? Yeah, I'm on scholarship there. I'm I'm honestly enjoying it. The soccer's good. It's competitive. Um, playing with a lot of good players who, who ended up going to MLS. And then, so I go that third year, have a pretty good year again, and then finally RSL's like, let's do it. And I was it's like, time. Yeah, let's go. And they're finally getting paid to play soccer. Finally. What's that like the first time somebody tells you we're going to pay you? And, you know, I've paid a little bit of attention. I, I know what the pay rate generally is for MLS players. I know what the range is. And it's not what it is for the NBA. It's not what it's like in Europe. Oh, yeah. But I mean, you're a 21 year old kid. Yeah. Somebody's paying you that much money to, you know, yeah. to play soccer. Is that? Yeah. No, it was, it was crazy for sure. I think once, uh, once everything was agreed upon, and I finally got out there, it was. Uh, it all seemed a bit surreal at first. I think just playing with all these guys that I'd been watching on TV so long. I was playing with Kyle Beckerman. Nick Ramondo, Tony Beltran, who was who was the right back before I got there. He ended up getting hurt, but he was a guy that before I went to RSL, I was watching I was watching all like videos of him on YouTube trying to be like, if I could do what he can do, I can get out there and be successful. So 
I think just getting out there and my first couple weeks, months with these guys was just still didn't seem real. It's 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 tough trying to trying to sort of trick your mind to sh- tell yourself that you belong there. Well, and they say in in football, in American football, I'm I'm air quoting, um, but you know between high school and college and college the pros, the difference in the speed is just people say is a whole different level. Had you ever were you surprised? by the quality of athletes and, and the speed that they were playing at? Had you ever seen anything like that? Did you get a taste of that in college? Yeah, or? no, definitely wasn't surprised. I think I knew what to expect because I had trained with them uh, quite a few times before, and obviously I had seen all my a lot of my teammates that went straight from academy to pro. I had been watching them play, play for a while. Um, but, yeah, definitely once you're actually in it and you're training, there's a lot of stuff that happens and just a sort of different physicality and uh, – sort of just mental aspect of the game where you got to be quicker. Right. And so, yeah, definitely takes a couple of months to get used to it. But I think as soon as, as soon as you sort of get adjusted and like I said, show yourself that you, you do belong there and you, you sort of start to fit in pretty quick. Well, now every sport, uh, you know, all the team sports, at least that I'm, that I'm, a, I'm familiar with, of course, there are different positions and a lot of it has to do with your different positions have to do with a lot of times your size, your speed, the different athletic abilities. And I don't know this about soccer because like I said, I never played um been watching for about 15 years i still don't know that much <laughs> um what is it about your build or your athletic ability or your skill set that makes you a, a right back a defenseman um i think just a lot of times when you're playing outside back you're usually you're defending the other team's best players a lot of the time the other team's best players and fastest players are their two outside wingers so yeah i think if you're you're able to have good athleticism as an outside back you're you're able to get up and down the field both ways which i've noticed i I mean i've watched you play quite a few times these last two seasons and i don't know if it's normal or what but i was very impressed to see you're up and down the damn field i mean you're in the in the offensive end a lot and then of course you're you're sprinting 100 100 yards yeah back and forth for 90 minutes yeah is that is that normal is that does a right does a back usually end up in that other end of the field as much as you do i think so soccer is always transforming. Obviously, it's always just developing new ways to to play and stuff. So, yeah, for outside backs, that's that's just how the game is nowadays. You got to be able to play both sides. You got to be able to attack. You got to be able to defend, and you got to be able to do that nonstop throughout the whole game. So obviously, your your fitness has to be has to be top notch. So have you always been a defenseman? No. So growing up, I always played center mid, and because you're probably the best athlete on the field. In your club, you know, you're young, 10, 11, 12. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely up there. And, yeah, I played center mid my whole life growing up. And then, actually, when I got to the academy is when they switched me to right back. Does the, the size, does your physical size have anything to do with where you play in the field? Yeah, for sure. Because I'm noticing you're about, what are you, about 5'11", 6 feet? Yeah, right around 5'11". And, One, like 175. And just to compare you to, you know, my favorite player, Marcus Rashford, you know, plays as striker or yeah. forward for... Manchester United, you guys are about the same size. You probably got a little bit heavier than he is. Yeah. He's a little bit thinner, but I'm looking at that. You guys are about the same size. So it's not like, you know, in football where your linemen are the big, beefiest guys. Yeah. Um, I'd say there's definitely similarities, but obviously there's some outliers. Like there's some. So your center backs are usually the biggest guys on the field. Center back, goalkeeper, they're usually pretty big guys. Outside backs, usually a little smaller, but pretty athletic. Center mids, usually a bit on the smaller side. Nine, which is your center forward, usually pretty big guys. Um, but yeah, obviously, like I said, there's outliers, but it's sort of similar in a way. You 
you're going to have bigger guys in certain parts of the field. Usually. Right. Now, talking about you getting up and down the field a lot, you I mean, from, from corner to corner, from, from the defensive end to the front end, uh, you're sprinting, you know, close to 100. What's it about? What's a soccer field? 110? Right around 120. Okay. So, I mean, you're doing 100-yard sprints yeah. for 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, kind of leads me to where I wanted – one thing I wanted to ask you about is, now you guys, of course, and I never, never understood this, you guys play – Last week of February through March, as opposed to, and again, I follow the English Premier League. They play August through May, yeah. uh, and I don't know if they're, I don't know how the other European, I don't know the Spanish and the Bundesliga, uh, the Italians, but there's got to be. You don't get a lot of time off because you're playing about once a week yeah. for nine, ten months, yeah. with of course different breaks for 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 international guys that are involved in their international play. And then, of course, in the off season, again, I don't know about MLS, but I know that, like the Premier League guys, when they're in the summer, uh, it's not usually the, the entire squad. But they do a lot of exhibitions over here in the states. Yeah. Um, durability. Yeah. Um, what do you do? Take well, take me through your week. So you let's assume you play every Saturday, just just to, for to be simple. What's your week like? What is your training, your fitness, your strength and tra- your strength and conditioning, and your recovery? Most importantly, yeah. What's that like for you? Yeah, that's this is the stuff that makes the season so long because it's nonstop. Even when you have days off, you're not really off because you're focusing on the recovery aspect for pretty much that whole day. So a normal week for us is game Saturday. So after the game, usually Sunday off. Monday is like a region or just a light day recovery. Um, Tuesday is usually our hard session. So Tuesday you're going pretty hard. That's when you're doing your most running. That's when you lift the weights and then Wednesday's usually off and then Thursday's just another light day sort of a medium day and then obviously Friday day before the game extremely light day you're not doing much just sort of walking through stuff um, just doing stuff to keep the legs going and then Saturday you're back into it and that's a that's a pretty normal week do you feel like I mean of course there are players like the world I mean people like Messi and Ronaldo who are you know in their late 30s and they're still playing in their national team is that something you're going to see less of? Guys who might still be good enough to play their club club teams into their mid to late 30s, but maybe they're not. I I don't. I know that there's been there was talk, of course, with Ronaldo being with you know Manchester United, and of course with his. I don't want to say I don't want to use the term ego in a, in a negative way, but he's been the best one of players, one of the best players in the world for 20 years, yeah. and he doesn't want somebody to tell him, you know what, maybe you don't have 90 minutes of up and down the field in you. Yeah. No, that that's the thing. Looking at Ronaldo, he sort of he sort of makes me look at myself when I when I start looking at the longev- longevity of my career because he's a guy that depended a lot on athleticism when he was younger. I think athleticism was one of his main attributes and why he was so good for so long. He could jump so high, run so fast, run forever. And so obviously now that he's getting older, that's sort of starting to dwell off. So obviously he's not going to be as good as he once was. Whereas a guy like Messi, who's he hasn't depended on athleticism, because obviously, obviously he's quick, he's strong, but he's always been a smaller guy, so he's had to sort of figure out ways around the game where that that weren't completely dependent on physicality and and athleticism, and that's why he's being so sec- so successful still today. So I see yeah. what you're saying. Now, as far as you, you talked about doing some weightlifting, and is there any benefit to a soccer player to have upper body strength, or is it? Yeah, to a certain degree. Obviously, you don't need to be 
you don't need to be repping 225 for for 20 reps like these right. guys at the, the but NFL. There combine. is some there is some close but, up jockeying and elbowing yeah, and for sure it definitely doesn't hurt. Like I mean I'm a guy that I love weightlifting um all throughout the season and then especially in the off season. Um, I'm in the gym all the time. It's just it's something I like to do, and I just I just like getting stronger. And yeah, it definitely pays dividends. Um, obviously, the leg strength is more important. Legs, core, um, not necessarily like chest and arms and stuff, but obviously, it doesn't hurt. You know. Now, what do you do during your off seasons normally? Off season, it's really just a lot of just taking it easy, and then like I said, I'm in, I'm in the gym. A lot in the off season. Now you do have a lot of international experience. You were with the you on the U twenty threes in the run up to the twenty twenty. What would what was going to be the twenty twenty Olympics? Yeah, there was some. Well, I don't know some weirdness. There wasn't a twenty twenty Olympics. It was in twenty twenty one. Yeah. How did that all work? I don't quite remember. I was following it, but I don't remember. How did that all shake out for you? Yeah, that was a weird one because so the the qualifiers were in Guadalajara, Mexico, and so in twenty twenty we were at, that's where we were when COVID sort of kicked off. And so we were, we were just at the hotel. We're obviously, we're getting ready to play our first game in like a couple of days. And then that's when pretty much everything started to shut down. And we were, we were getting ready to leave the training and all of our sort of, uh, all of the staff there were, they were walking through the hallway. Like we're not training today. You guys are going home. And so next flight out the next day we were out. That was in 2020. And so we, they were postponing them. We didn't know when they were like it could be a month could be two months ended up being 2021 that was when we went to qualify again in in mexico and yeah we made it to the to the semifinals of the qualifying qualifying tournament and we ended up losing to honduras two to one i remember watching that yeah and so all you have to do is make it to the final once you make it to the final the finals just for fun you already qualified um so you guys didn't go to the olympics we didn't go to the olympics and it was just major Major disappointment. Now, what what happened with the MLS season in 2020? Did you guys play a season? We did. We played uh, played the freaking bubble season. Okay. Yeah. Now, I remember how how when did it start? Because it usually starts last week of February. So so we actually played our first two games of the season, which were yeah late February or March ish, and right after that second game of the season is when everything shut down, and so we. We ended up playing just in the bubble. We so you, there was no break. There there was a break. We were out for I say two full months. Okay, now we were just at home. Now soccer is a lot. Soccer is one of those sports with a lot of international players. You yeah. get a lot in. You know, it's just every way. A lot of Americans playing overseas yeah. and vice versa. I had uh, earlier in my previous season had a, actually a little league teammate of mine who's a kind of like an assistant GM, vice president of the Kansas City Royals, and we we talked about that. And he said the biggest headache was figuring out the international players, the Dominicans, the Venezuelans, um, the Cubans. And if we send them back, can, can we get them back? And it was, that was one of the biggest headaches. Um, now you are no longer involved with the U S national team, right? Um, I haven't been involved for, for about a year now. Okay. Now through dad, you have a Guatemalan passport. Yeah. So I can definitely get that. And I'm working on getting that right now. You're in the you're in the process. I, you know, I know I, we yeah. texted. I didn't know if it was something you were allowed to talk about or. Yeah, no, I mean, I've talked about it a lot. I get asked it a lot in uh, in interviews and stuff. And yeah, so obviously through my dad, him him being born and growing up in Guatemala, I can I can get the Guatemalan passport and play for Guatemala as well. So if the U.S. doesn't happen, it's pretty likely. Okay, and you know where are you on that? Do you know or? 
No. I mean, just, with the World Cup just having ended. and Yeah, it's weird. There's just a lot going on with all that stuff. So. Did you get but, a chance to see that final? Yeah. I, I, I had to work. I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. The stupid, I don't know, I was on call the day before, and I had to come in and do some stuff. And I, By all accounts, I mean, I was kind of following it on my phone, but by all accounts, probably one of the best, most exciting sporting events of, oh. of any sport of, of ever – it was, it was insane. It was actually a nightmare for me because I was in uh, South Carolina at a friend's wedding, and my flight was like a couple hours after after kickoff. So I was like, if they're going to penalties, we might be taken off, and if we don't have it on the TV plane, we're going to be screwed. And so as soon as they go into penalties, we're sitting on the plane. The pilot comes on, and he's doing a freaking intercom. You have to shut all your stuff down for the next no, until so, we get in the so air? The, Anytime the pilot's making an announcement, the TVs pause. Oh. And this is as soon as they go to penalties. So I miss like the first four penalties, but then I end up seeing Argentina win, which. Is that, I, you know, being from Washington, D.C., I, I still, you know, I still have family there. And there's a, a morning sports show called the Sports Junkies that it came on about two years before I moved out here. And I still listen to them. They, well, I could listen to them live, but they, they do each hour of their, their morning show on a podcast. And. One of the guys brought up, he's like, that's kind of a shitty way to determine a winner. I mean, after you play your 90 minutes and you do a 30-minute, yeah. like, as a soccer player, do you feel like, of course, if you win, you win. But if you lose a big game like that on penalties, you kind of feel like you're a little bit robbed? Um, for me, I don't, I don't really think so. I think, I mean, you had, prior to that, you had 120 minutes to, to decide the winner, which is, it's two hours of straight playing. Because, I mean, you know, soccer, there's... There's not timeouts or anything. It's 120 minutes straight. So you had 120 minutes to, to sort of decide the winner. I think after that, it's sort of, which I think it's better than going to something that's almost like a rock, paper, scissors type thing. I think it's still, it comes down to, to which team has the better nerves. And I mean, penalty, penalty kicks are one of, one of the most nerve wracking things. And now as a defenseman, uh, do you ever, do you ever get picked to, to kick penalties? Yeah, for you sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, you know, the other thing is we talked a little bit about soccer being so international. And, um, you know, one of the things I know, uh, having been involved, I, I work for the State Athletic Commission, um, been involved with that for about eight, nine years. I do a lot of boxing and, and mixed martial arts. And, you know, New Mexico, we get, you know, the UFC will come every now and again or Bellator yeah. with boxing top rank and some of the big promotions. But, you know, it's usually regional promotions. And I can tell you from one event to the next, it's, you know, half the gyms are the same. Like it's everybody knows each other. And imagine it's similar in soccer. I mean, no matter where you go, no matter what league you watch, no matter what game, you probably know somebody because you've played on the club level. You played in the U in internationals, or you played, you know, your high school or some or college or something like that. Do you feel like you've got a good, you got a good network of people around the around the world? Yeah, for sure. Um, now, yeah, like you said, I mean, just playing for so long, you meet so many different people from different countries and all that. So yeah, I mean, you definitely build up a. You definitely make just a ton of friends. I feel like every friend I've ever made in my life was through soccer. So. Right. Well, you spend enough time doing it. Yeah. You don't do anything else. Now, why is it that the why do you think that the U.S. plays Major League Soccer plays kind of an opposite schedule with the three months off in the winters versus the three months oh, off man. in the summer? I don't know. Um, I think I think it's well. I think the biggest thing is the weather. Right. The weather here, you can't really play. There's a lot of places in the winter where you just can't play at all. Like, I mean, imagine playing in. Minnesota, Montreal. Um, you would hope they would have indoor. Even facility. Salt Lake, you would think, but it's just that's a, you guys have a nice stadium there. I yeah. um I was there 
in South Jordan, I want to say in 20, it's either 2015 or 2016 for work for a week. And of course you, you get on whatever, whatever interstate that is from, from Salt Lake. And we passed by that, you know, that stadium a couple of times. That's, and there's really nothing else. I mean, they've got, they've got the, the, um, the jazz, yeah. uh, but no other professional sports. Do you feel like you guys get, is that a good market to play in as far as support from the, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think last year we sold out every game really at our stadium. So yeah, no, the, the fans are great there. Um, obviously the stadium's really nice. I think we got the best grass in the league. I mean, for me, it's my favorite grass to play on. And so do you yeah, like, no. do you guys, I'm, I would sure some of the tell you guys you play, uh, have field turf. Yeah. How, how do you do. do you like playing on that? No, or? it's terrible. It's, yeah. it's not good for soccer just because the ball has to roll on the ground. Um, so it, it different. It's almost like if like tennis between playing clay and, and yeah, court. yeah, I got you. It's, it's a major difference. So definitely, those home teams definitely have have a major advantage because they're so used to playing on those. And there's a very select few that still have turf. It's just Portland, Seattle, New England, Atlanta. I think that's. It's interesting. What what uh, what other leagues do you watch besides MLS? Do you watch Premier League? Uh, watch Premier League. Watch Premier League a lot. I think uh, I think Premier League is just the league that majority of people watch. It's it's one of the most entertaining. Now, see, I need to, I need to ask you this because I got a, one of my sergeants is uh, you know a guy I'm pretty pretty good friends with at work, and he's a big soccer player. He played some played college soccer, and he uh, he's a big Spanish league guy. He always shits on the Premier League. He's just like, oh, they're just marketing. It's not the best athletes. You want to see better athletes? You go to Go to watch a Spanish league, yeah. and he just he knows it bugs me, and it probably says it even more. But yeah. that's his feeling. He he kind of feels like Premier League is more about marketing, yeah. and they do a real good job of it. But it's not necessarily yeah. the best yeah. athleticism. Yeah, I don't know. It's a definitely an argument to be made. I think personally, I think the best the best soccer in the world is played in La Liga, which is the Spanish league. Um, but I don't know. Then you look at the you look at the World Cup and the amount of players that are playing in the World Cup from the Premier League sort of speaks for itself i think the premier league had way more players than any other league so do you um do you have a, a club that you follow no nah, no specific club you, you'll watch any two yeah I'll, I'll watch any team i mean barcelona was was always my favorite team when when messi was there obviously and then they had a, they had a ton of other players and there were a couple of years where where they were on top of the world but um no i mean to be honest with you i don't i really don't you're too busy playing. I think we play so much, and you're just around it so much that when I go home, it's just it's not something that I, that I'm really trying to watch or something What's, that. What do you watch me. athletics wise besides the, if you're not watching? Man, I, I love watching basketball. Love watching football. Love watching golf. Um, you're a Niners watching, fan, like that. Love watching UFC. No, yeah. I'm not a Niners fan. Who's your team? I'm a Cardinals fan. Unfortunately, that was a yeah. It's been, it's been a rough. A rough while for us, but that, that is a rough while. But you know, you're one of the few because there aren't a lot of people who are maybe because they've been. I mean, I remember when they're in St. Louis. Yeah, but um, because most people around here are either Dallas or Denver. But I guess your age would be about the age of people who grew up with a a Cardinals team. Yeah, but I, um, I lived in Arizona for a while. Did you get a chance to go yeah. to games? I went to a couple games, and I think okay. that sort of that sort of was soldier for me. There you go. Now you, I know, maybe two years ago, you had a little bit of interest from somebody in Italy. Yeah. There's definitely been there's been interest from from Italy. There's been a little interest from Germany. Um, I went to Spain a couple of years ago. Ended up not happening. Um, that would have been a really the place. So, but yeah, there's definitely been a couple of times where where I've almost went. Over. None of them have uh, have happened yet. 
if if it if it were to work out, would you ever? Would it have to be a? Is it the kind of thing you would do, even if maybe they're offering you less money, just for the the opportunity to play? Um, it sort of depends on the opportunity. Um, if I know that there's a lot of upside to that opportunity, where there's going to be more opportunities opening upon that opportunity, then right yeah, for right. sure. Um, because I I trust myself to go to any team in any league and sort of be able to figure figure out what I need to do there to be successful. Right. I think I've done that in every place that I've been so far, starting at the academy, going to college as a freshman, and then coming into the MLS as a rookie. I think every single spot I've been, I've obviously figured out how to, how to be successful in that environment. I think so. I, I don't think taking taking less money if there's if there's a lot of upside would would be something that I would be hesitant to do. Yeah. Now, something I just thought of, uh, does MLS have, you guys have a, a, a union, a collective bargaining agreement? Yeah. Is that something they have in most leagues? Yes, I believe every American league has one, for sure. I don't know about a... Europe? I don't know about... I think definitely, for sure. Okay. I would say the Premier League has to have one. Um, but actually, I'm not really sure, because the way they get paid and stuff over there is different. There's not really, it's not really salary caps and stuff. So yeah, I can tell. I can see with some of the yeah some of these players. I mean, but now that I think about it, I'm not really sure. Now, but. kind of bringing it back around because we're we're kind of coming up on the end of things. We talked a little bit about about you getting traded and being a surprise to you. Do you know what the plan is? I mean, you're you're going back in a couple of days to Salt Lake. I guess you're going to pack your stuff up. You're going to drive up to Montreal and yeah. Um, you have I mean you have a current passport. I would imagine you have to. Yeah, I do. And um, and the, your club, your new club, are going to have to work out all the visa. Yeah, so I got to get a work permit out there, and yeah, that's pretty much it. But I head out um, January fourth, heading out to Montreal. So now, is that something you worked out with the new club? Like, hey, this is the date we want you out here, and I want you at our facility. And yeah, well, report date for pretty much every MLS club is January sixth. Okay, that's, what, that's when you do sort of physicals, and um, usually your first like fitness tests and stuff will be on that day before you actually kick off preseason. Do you know any of the guys on the roster? I know a couple of guys. Okay. Um, one guy played on the U20 national team with a little bit. But other than that, honestly, Montreal's a, a team I don't know a lot of the players. Having played on the in the Western Conference for so long, you don't really pay attention to the East too much. Like You obviously know the, a lot of the best players on the best teams, but you don't know the rosters like in and out as you would on the West because you're playing, you're playing them two three times a year. So. Do you speak any French? No, not yet. Yeah, hey, you. Can, I mean, I'm sure you can get by. I've never been to Montreal before, but it's one of those cities where if you speak English, you'll be okay. Yeah. But um, well, you better get a big jacket, man. Oh, I know. Because I know how. Oh, I know, man. I've been looking. Just it's. That's the one of the first things I looked at actually when when I found out you got traded, and, and I I wanted to see if they have an indoor stadium. Boy, they don't. Nope. Now they're actually that's an interesting franchise because they um they haven't they've only been in the MLS for about ten years. They were the Montreal Impact. Yeah. The Impact Montreal. Yep. Um, they played in what would be, I guess, in England would be the championship level, one level below MLS. Yeah. Uh, and they came in in 2012 as an expansion team. Yeah. Um, what else do you know about them? I mean, you don't see them too often. Do you know the coach? So they're getting a new coach this year. Okay. Their coach last year was was up for the running for, for coach of the year, and he ended up going to Columbus. I'm not really sure why, um, but they just hired a new coach who was actually coaching D.C. United okay. last year. So, yeah, new coach. A lot of new players coming in. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a new year. For How sure. much RSL swag are you gonna to have to box up? I mean, all those years. What do you do with your? At the end of the year, you just keep your jerseys and. Yeah, so you get a lot of you sort of accumulate a lot of jerseys uh, throughout the years, and 
I mean, mostly I just give them the give away to friends, family, fans. Um, that's one thing you'll you'll notice ourselves after a lot of the home games. It's never a surprise to see seven, eight guys walking into the locker room with no shirt. I've seen you walk shirtless off the field a yeah. few times. But sure. by the way, what's the tattoo? What's the sleeve you have? Oh, there's a, there's a lot going on. A lot of different stuff. Okay, I won't make you go into it. I nah. just from the from the pictures, you know, on your Instagram, I've seen you got a good left sleeve. You have everything on the right? No, just okay. just the whole left arms filled up. I got you. Yeah. Well, good luck to you, Aaron. Thank you. I can't thank you enough for coming in here. I, you know, we could have done this over the phone. I, I do quite a bit of mine. I, I always try to do something in studio if, if possible. And with even with all of the travel, uh, all the stuff that went on these last this last week or so with pretty much everybody, yeah. you, you, you know, you still made it down here. And I appreciate you giving me this forty five minutes to uh, to get this interview done. You know, I don't know if I told you we finished up season five. This is kind of we'll, we'll do this as a bonus. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could save it for another, you know, six, eight weeks until we start the next season, but I like to keep it somewhat, somewhat fresh, yeah. but, um, thank you for coming on. Um, good luck in your new adventures in, in Canada. It's a hell of a nice country. Like I said, my wife is from there. I spent some time up there. Um, never been to Montreal, but Hey, you never know. Maybe I'll come watch you play a game up there in that stadium. Yeah, man. For sure. You're going to have to come out. Thanks for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've enjoyed this interview as much as I have. This is the mid, uh, in between seasons five and six bonus episode. And um, it's been with uh, Major League, uh, actually, Real Salt, Lake def- Real Salt Lake Defensive Player of the Year two-time, and now CF Montreal starting three times. She's three times Defensive Player of the Year, uh, who's now just been traded in the past week to CF Montreal. Aaron Herrera, are you going to keep the same jersey number? Number 22. Number 22 for Real Salt Lake is hopefully going to be number 22 for CF Montreal. Um, Happy New Year, guys. We'll see you all later, and I uh, look forward to seeing you guys in Season 6. Proudly produced by Las Cruces Today.com and Bravo Mike Communications.